Hey everybody, happy 4th Advent. It's the last weekend before Christmas that's coming up this week. It's on Thursday. Thursday, oh my well, goodness. Christmas Eve actually, I guess, and Christmas Day is on Friday. Friday. That merits a Merry Christmas, I think. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> this is exciting. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church, and this morning I'm joined by Pam, and we're gonna get the service kicked off for you. It's gonna be really exciting. If this is one of your first times checking out our online service, a special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you better, and you can help us do that by giving us a shout at hello at cedarvalley.ca, or even just dropping a comment here. Yeah, and for everybody, the best way to stay informed and up-to-date about all the stuff happening around the church, especially <laughs> in this digital pandemic, not meeting in person kind of age, is following us online. On We're on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, or even simply just head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter that's got all sorts of good information of what's coming up. We've got devotionals, prayer requests going out there, and fun events like the best thing coming up this week is Christmas Eve. And what we're doing is finalizing something we've been working on all month. So fun. So things you can find out. Uh, our our the finale finale of our reverse advent calendar. Yeah. So sorry, I couldn't read that. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's that? Well, all month, rather than getting a little gift like you normally would with an advent calendar, we've been setting aside something every day, a needed food or household item for the food bank. And on Christmas Eve, Thursday, don't forget, we're heading down there to fill the place up for the coming winter months. Yeah, it's going to be a huge party. We're super excited. That's, uh, you know, if this is your first time hearing about it, and you're like, oh shoot, I missed out on that whole thing because we started this in December 1st. It's not too late to join. What you can do is head over to our website again. There's a really cool calendar with a bunch of suggested needed items and just go to the grocery store and just stock by everything you can for it. Just fill it all up. I mean, when I was a kid, I would eat uh, reverse advent calendar or not reverse, just normal, normal. advent calendars, <laughs> chocolate. And I would like discipline myself to not eat it for a couple weeks and then go to town oh, at the end. Open them all on one <laughs> yeah. day. So you can do that too for this. Uh, just join up with it because the best thing that's happening is on Christmas Eve between 5 and 6 p.m. We're asking everybody to head on down to St. Joseph's Food Bank if you're a mission or if you're uh, somewhere else, do it to your own local food bank. But at St. Joseph's Food Bank, the pastors are going to be there. We're going to be helping you unload your stuff to help stock up the food bank. We're going to be doing some Christmas carols where you hang stuff out, wave to you. It's going to be a ton of fun. Sounds good. Yeah. And we're also having a Christmas Eve service online. I'm excited. The first Christmas Eve service I've been able to see here at Cedar Valley in like 30 years. So I'm excited for it, even though it's online. Um, it'll be broadcasting at 7 p.m. on Facebook, YouTube, or our website, cedarvalley.ca. Yeah, and so we're kind of doing this whole service thing twofold this year. We've got like the online service to give some of those good, great traditions. We've got devotions and readings in there, some worship. We're going to do Silent Night singing. Nice. And, but we're also, as a church, doing like service, like literally service with the reverse advent calendar. So double dip on that. It's going to be a great week. Mm -hmm. And for the kids, really exciting thing happening after the service today uh, at 1 o'clock is uh, Minecraft. If you're a Minecraft nerd like me. I don't um, even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it's a fun game that is mostly like 12 year olds and a bunch of like older weirdos like me, I guess. I don't know. It's super fun. But what we've done with the youth group is put together this huge winter wonderland map. You can get on there with your friends, adventure, explore around. There's like a bobsled track. You can throw snowballs in it. But at one o'clock, we're partnering with a church out in Surrey called Horizon Church and we are streaming a huge snowman building competition. So 
If you play the game, you can head over to our website. You can find out how to connect, get on the stream. Otherwise, if you aren't playing the game, you just want to see some wild action, you can check out these same streams on Sunday at one o'clock and we're going to be uh, streaming that fun. Okay, that sounds like a lot of fun. Excellent. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to get the service started. We're going to have a time of singing. There will be lyrics on the screen and our team has recorded some songs to lead you in a time of worship at home. And after that, Allison is bringing us a special lesson just for the kids, so stay tuned for that. And Pastor Doug is wrapping up our Advent series with Fourth Advent today, looking at the different names of Jesus and the implication of those titles to our lives as followers of Jesus. Yeah, and before we head into all of that, if you're watching live, head over to the comment section of Facebook or YouTube because Pam is one of our like star decorators here at the church. She helped create all of this. <laughs> that you guys got to experience and the previous setup too, uh, just like all the great things that are put together here, new modern tastes and trends. Uh, so I have a question for you, Pam, and then we're sure. gonna see if it lines up with what everyone else is gonna answer online too, but Christmas tree decorating. Do you go for the eclectic style where you have like um, story and memento for every single ornament or do you get like the nice beautifully, like it becomes a centerpiece of your house and there's color coordination and balanced wrapping? I am definitely eclectic. I have ornaments on my tree that are probably from the 60s. I have uh, puppy dogs and all kinds of crazy things on there that my kids have collected over the years. Super um, fun. To the point where the tree starts I have glass, over. I have plastic, <laughs> I have tinsel stars. It's, it's a big mishmash of everything and I absolutely love it. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm the same way. We got a wild, bizarre tree and we actually keep everything up about two feet because of our cats. cats. Yeah. <laughs> so head over to the comment section. Let us know what style tree decorator you are. We're in for a great morning, Cedar Valley. Thanks for joining. Bye. Have fun.
Good morning, Cedar Valley kids. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Today I want to talk with you about peace and about what it means for God to be with us, okay? So I have a question for you. How many of you have ever worried before? Okay, maybe you like instantly raised your hand. Pastor Grant back there, he just raised his hand. And if you aren't raising your hand, I really want you to think about it. Have you ever worried? Sometimes we have small worries, like will I get to eat my favorite food for lunch? And sometimes we have worries like today, guys, I was a little bit worried about recording this message. Am I going to say the right thing? That worried me a little bit. We might also have bigger worries, things that nag us, things that make us feel really unsettled and just uncertain. Like right now, COVID, it's making things a little bit different. Why are things the way that they are? Why do they have to be that way? That might just make us feel a little bit off. Now you might also be wondering, why is Allison bringing up worries when it's Christmas time. We're supposed to be about joy and fun and celebrating. But I want you guys to think back to Mary, okay? Remember, Mary is who God chose to carry Jesus, to carry the Savior of the world. And do you remember how Mary found out? An angel appeared to her and he said, hey, guess what? You're gonna be pregnant and you are gonna carry the Savior of the world. Do you guys think Mary was a little bit worried? Actually, you know what? The Bible tells us that Mary was worried. In Luke 1, verse 29, it says that Mary was troubled, okay? So worry is normal, guys. But guess what? The angel who came to her, he said to her, the very first thing he said is he said, God is with you and do not be afraid, okay? Now, it's normal to worry, you guys. Mary did it right there in the Bible, okay? And if it were as simple as someone just saying, oh, don't be afraid, don't worry, I bet there would be a whole lot less worry in the world, okay? But what Mary had to do was trust, and I bet she prayed an awful lot. Now someday, when Jesus comes back, he is going to put a stop to wars and fights and arguments, and we won't have to worry about anything because he's going to stop all the bad things that might happen in the world. But for now, we live in a world where bad things might happen sometimes. Okay? The good news is, is that we can still have God's peace in our hearts. So I'm going to explain it to you in this way. How many of you guys have ever played Capture the Flag before? Remember that game where you line up and there's teams on either side and your job is to go and get the flag from the other side of the field without getting caught. And then you have to run it back across to your line without getting caught again. Okay, it's a really fun game, right? Take strategy and you have to plan your, your plan of attack to get to that flag without being caught by the other team. But sometimes that can be a little bit stressful too, okay? But on the other side of that field, do you remember? If you run across, you can reach home base and that's where you find the flag. And in that home base, there's a barrier. It's almost like an invisible line. No one can pass that line. They can't come and tag you. They can't get you. So you can run, run, run across that field. You can get that flag and then you can stop. You can catch your breath. You can rest a little bit, okay? So sometimes life might feel like that capture the flag game. You're having to run through this field and not get caught up by the other people who want to tag you. You've got this job to do. And when you're standing at that line ready to cross into the enemy territory, it might feel stressful. Okay? You're thinking, oh man, how am I going to get through this? And you might start to worry. But God wants to be that home base, that place that when you get that flag, you can stop and you can rest. OK? 
okay? So God wants to be that home base for you. And you know what? We can find God as that home base by reading our Bible and praying. And that's a huge part of giving up our worries to God is through prayer. So sometimes when we pray about something that worries with that worries us, God can bring us peace on the outside. He might take away that thing that is worrying us. But life doesn't always work that way, right? If you're worrying about a test, God's not going to just magically get rid of the test, right? It doesn't work that way. But still, when you trust God, you, no matter what happens, you can trust. You can pray to him like this. You can say, God, I'm trusting you with this test. Even if I get a bad grade, I know that you still love me. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to pray that. And hopefully, you'll, and probably, you'll start to feel some of God's peace when you, when you say that prayer to him. Because you're letting him take care of the things that worry you. So when you get worried about something, try turning it over to God. Say, God, no matter what happens in this situation, I'm going to trust you because I know that you love me. So I want to take some time right now to just pray with you and to just pray that we can find peace in this busy season. So let's pray. God, I just thank you so much that you love us. I thank you um, that you sent your son down to earth to to be a human so that um, you could come and be with us through the cross, Lord. I just pray right now, God, that when we have worries, big or small, I pray that you will remind us to turn them over to you, to remind us that no matter what, you love us. Help us to remember to pray, Lord, and to, to be reading our Bible, Lord, and to remember the truths that you give us. And the biggest one of that, Lord, is that you love us and that we can have your peace if we just ask for it. So I just pray that you will um, bless our day today, bless us as we continue on in this Christmas season, and um, just help us remember you, Lord. In your name, amen. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you next time. Hi everyone, my name is Pam. Today is fourth Advent and I will be hanging the fourth ornament on the tree. And I will be reading from the book, The Names of Jesus. His name is Prince of Peace. When problems come our way, only God can provide a peace which passes understanding. His peace can calm our fears and soothe our troubled hearts. When storms came, Jesus was the one who proclaimed, peace be still. Lord, help us to be still and know that you are our Prince of Peace. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9.6. And then in Philippians 4 verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There is a full set of man's clothes draped over our backyard fence. Pants, shirt, socks, even underwear, everything. And they're just hanging there, soaking up the rain for days now. Now, they're not mine, and it's a good thing, because if they were, that means I would have been in them that night 
last week in the dark. Well, late one evening last week, our son-in-law, James, they live on the same property as us, was walking without the aid of a light to the garbage can behind the house. Suddenly, he sent something at his feet. There was a flurry of fur and a flash of white. Startled, they both raced in the opposite directions. But unfortunately for James, he wasn't quite quick enough. And he gets hit with this wall of stink. The next morning, I'm out in the front yard feeding the birds. And James appears from around the side of the garage. And from a distance, he says, hey, can you smell me? <laughs> I'm like, what? And so he says again, um, yeah, I, I need you to smell me because I got sprayed by a skunk last night. And I just want to know if I still stink. I've had, he said, he went on to say that he had three showers with some homemade concoction to try to remove the smell. It was so bad that his boss didn't want him on work to go to work that day. And the backyard and even inside the house stunk for days. You know, it's quite possible he may just throw those clothes away. Now, if he could have seen, if there would have been light, that would not have happened. But now he stinks. Light is a good thing especially the light that Jesus brings. When was the last time you stood outside and gazed upward in awe at the wonder of the night sky? A myriad of lights spread over distances that we can hardly comprehend. Vast constellations that draw us in to the magnificence of God. God has painted the heavens, as it were, with brushstrokes of billions of galaxies and trillions of stars. And for what purpose have they been placed so far above? Is it simply just to display the grandeur of God? Well, it does that for sure, but it does much more than that. The stars, the heavens, the lights in the sky, well, they have a specific purpose. In the beginning, at the very dawn of creation itself, it is recorded for us in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 14, that the lights were placed in the great vault of the sky to serve as signs to mark the seasons, the days, the years, and then the sun to govern and light the day. Well, let's go back about 2,000 years from now to ancient Babylon. And there were those who intently looked to the heavens, specifically at night. And for those who knew what to look for, they saw the revelation of God in the stars. Now, I don't know if we can really appreciate 
what it meant for the wisest of these men who were from the East when they first saw and then no doubt proclaimed the star, the star. Well, let's, ca let's catch up to these wise men in the book of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We read, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. See, we have now just been introduced to these stargazers and the light that would lead them right to Jesus. You know, this star, this light, it's really still somewhat of a mystery. You know, after all of these years, of studying and theories, we're still not exactly sure precisely what the star looked like or even how it moved the way it did. And yet, who else could create the intricacy of an atom or a molecule and also orchestrate a unique star in the heavens to appear at the exact time and point to the exact place that he desired. Only God. And you know, there are times that it is not ours to understand the ways of God, but simply to marvel at his greatness and what he has done for us. But if you are interested in learning a bit more about the possibility of what the actual star was that these wise men followed, right to the very home that Jesus was in, there is a fascinating book that expertly blends the theological and the scientific. And this book is called The Great Christ Comet, Comet by Colin Nichol. You might want to check that out. Well, what we do know is that this group of magi, that's what they were known as then, pursued this light to Jerusalem. This light became their constant focus, guiding them right into their destination. You know, it was almost 50 years ago, high in the hills above the town of Merritt, on a lake that was surrounded by forest pines, a boy and his dad had fished the day away. And with the lunchbox empty and the cooler mostly full of fish, the sun started setting in the distance and Dad said, it's time we head home. And home was a tent trailer parked just on the shore of the lake. Thinking that I was much older than I was, I appointed myself captain and I began to pilot our little boat in a rather zigzag fashion back to the shore. But darkness soon descended as it does up in the mountains quickly. 
and I could no longer even see the water right in front of me. And betrayed by my youth, I became fearful, not knowing where to go. Don't worry, son, my dad assured. Just head towards that light in the distance and let it guide you in. Now, that light, it wasn't quite the Star of Bethlehem that I was focusing on. It was actually the light my mom had turned on on the side of the trailer. But it brought me in to where we had both wanted to go. Back to Jerusalem. See, these searchers of the Christ child are now given directions by the biblical scholars of the day. We continue to read on just a little bit further in Matthew. See, they knew exactly where this predicted king would be born. And it's interesting to see that even though the light shines, it doesn't mean that everyone responds to it. These wise men, they made a specific pursuit of the light. And yet there is no record of the religious of the area going to see Jesus. When asked where could this child be, they gave directions. Well, in Bethlehem, of course, that's what we've been told. And yet, they missed him. He was right there in front of them. They could tell others where to find him, but they didn't go themselves. What a tragedy. So I plead with you. Please don't make the same mistake. To see the lights of Christmas, as wonderful as they are, only to miss the light of Christmas. And I know for many, Christmas is a favorite time. Festive, joyous, lights illuminating the night. The days are dark, but the brilliant displays light up the night. And it was just a few evenings ago that this, the Mission Christmas Parade of Lights came past our place. And it was a line of, I'm thinking probably about 100 vehicles. Jenny and I, we stood out on our porch for about 20 minutes, waving and yelling Merry Christmas as the cars went by and waved and called and Merry Christmas back, all in this display of lights. It was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. And just to shout out to, to all of those who were a part of that, you really made the evening great. But we want to talk about the real light of Christmas. And the light of Jesus is so much more than a star. So let's go forward about 30 years from then, from his birth. See, Jesus is grown and he's about to reveal himself as the light of the world. So it's the festival or the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, as it had been called, also known in the Jewish community as Sukkot. 
where every year in the fall, just after the harvest, Jews would gather together for eight days to celebrate God's provision, commemorating His presence as He led them through Egypt and through the wilderness. They partied it, they would sing songs, and they would have a lot of food and a bunch of dancing, and they would actually construct these little huts, these mini houses, booths, actually, made of branches, symbolizing the life of their ancestors who had lived. Now, a major part of this festival, this great feast, was the lighting of giant lamps in one of the main courts in the Temple of Jerusalem. And the wicks were actually made from the priest's worn-out garments. These lights illuminated the temple area and reminded the Jewish people of how God was with them in their wanderings in the wilderness and how He led them with light. See, since midweek, Jesus has been meeting and teaching large crowds of people who are gathered in the temple courtyard. And now, on the last, on the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stands in their presence and he proclaims. As we find in John 8:12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a fitting analogy. Surrounded by all of these burning giant lamps, he says, I am the light of the world. Light enables us to see. How many times have you stumbled in the darkness? Whether in the house because you decided not to turn the light on to wake anybody up when you needed to move from one room to another, or maybe outside in the dark. We also discover in John 12, 46, that Jesus says, I have come into the world as light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. See, and the darkness referring to here is basically ignorance about God. Jesus reveals the glory and the majesty of God. If we see Jesus, then we see God. And Ephesians 5, 8 to 11 tells us, For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. See, this goes much beyond just seeing the light and being in awe of the light. And even just seeing Jesus. But no, this is allowing Jesus to live within. And we have to discover what is it that pleases the Lord about how we live. And then the challenge, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But then even further, expose them. For that's what light does. We're encouraged with the psalmist, Psalm 119 105, he says that your word, Jesus is the word of life. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. Allow Jesus to illuminate our life. 
Matthew 5.14 tells us, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may, be, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Really, it's not that people would see us, you, me, but they would see God through us. In 1 Peter 2.9, we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, we are told. The idea that we actually reflect the character of God. We are, as being called out, we are God's special possession. Now, this makes reference to, to years ago when kings within their castle, they would have their money chamber, the money for the country that was to be spent, but then they would also have their personal money chamber that was exclusively just for their use. It was their personal possession. And this here gives us the idea that we are like that God's special possession, out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in 1 John 1, 7, we are called and told, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See, again, it transcends another aspect of who we are created in God for relationship and fellowship. See, walking in the light also means that our lives are exposed. And that, that, that can be scary. But the light reveals our weaknesses. In a sense, our sins are no longer hidden. But that enables us to have a deep and meaningful relationship with others. If we truly walk in the light, we allow that light to reveal who we are, the good and the not so good, so that we can enter into deeper relationship with one another. It is a key thing about being the light, receiving the light from God, so that then we may have deeper relationship with one another. And God says, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And in John chapter 3, verse 19, we read, God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Um, nocturnal animals, skunks included, they love the dark. And we don't see them very often is because they're not made for the day. We are, but they're not. And when it comes to our spiritual life, we are also made for the light. But unfortunately, sin has changed that. 
So Jesus says in John 3.19, judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. Thousands upon thousands of years after sin entered the hearts of Adam and Eve and polluted the lives of, of all of us ever since, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger. The night he was born, the, the light shone into the darkness, not just physically, but spiritually. It's not surprising that the shepherds were drawn towards the manger. And much later, these magi, these seekers, these followers of the star came to bring gifts to the toddler Jesus. They were drawn to the light. And yet Jesus says, it is rare, however, for most people love the darkness. They would rather stay in their sin than come to the light and enjoy the blessings of following Jesus. See, the light was not only given to us, but for us to be given to others. The light is God's love for us. This light is Jesus. In John 12, 36, we read, Believe in the light while you still have the light, so that you may become children of light. So what does that mean? Well, it obviously means this, this isn't, receiving Jesus' light isn't about religion. It's about relationship. So how do we be light in a world that doesn't see the light? Jenny is a part of a, an online group of female entrepreneurs. And the leader of this group, which has many, many women who are connected to this, um, she posts information and every once in a while a question. And just the other day, she posted a question that was much more personal than business fo focused, which was very out of character. And her question, her post was this, this leader, am I the only one that had a negative experience with religion growing up. And Jenny showed me the numerous message that followed, detailing all of their negative experiences growing up with church and religion. And Jenny felt the need to respond. And these are her words. in her response to this post. I've had only positive. I was raised in a loving Christian family. We attended an evangelical Bible-believing church. I made my own decision to live my life for God. I'm so sorry to hear that so many of you had a negative experience. Don't allow someone else's shortcomings to stop you from working out your faith. You owe it to yourself. And then three things she continued. Read the Bible yourself 
to find the truth about Jesus. An easy-to-read version like the NLT is great. There are free apps, so it's literally at your fingertips. People will fail you. Ask God to reveal his love and truth to you. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And shortly after Jenny responded to that post, other posts started to appear, sharing thank yous for Jenny's words. And then some also added their own words of hope of life in Jesus. Just being a light in a world that is dark without Jesus. And if your story is one of hurt, that's not Jesus. Jesus brings light and love. We encourage you to seek out that light. Discover the wonderful love of Jesus. And then each of us, we have an opportunity to be light. To bring light into a dark and hurting world. Just listen as we close with these words from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You experience the light and the glory of Jesus this Christmas. Our God, we thank you for the glory and the wonder of who you are. God, we thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself through your Son as the light of the world. God, as we allow that light to reveal itself amongst us, may we too become children of that light. 
that makes a difference in a world that is dark. Continue with us. We thank you for this time of Christmas that we celebrate. And may it be a reminder of it's more than just the Christmas lights, but it is really the light of Christmas. Continue with us, we pray. Thank you for the wonder and glory of who you are. Amen. Blessings on you, Cedar Valley, as you celebrate the light of Christmas. Thanks for joining us, everyone, uh, this morning. It's, this is our wrap-up to the Advent series because we're coming up to Christmas Eve. It's happening this week on Thursday evening. That's right, yeah. yes. So that's going to be yeah. really exciting. And, and yeah, thank you, yeah. Pastor Doug, for this. I, I like that we got to go through the different names of Jesus because, I mean, I think Pastor Rob has mentioned yeah. it a few, few times too, 198 names uh, he's given. Yeah. And there's a few more core ones, right? Like those are all the different terms that he was mm -hmm. referenced as. But some right. core ones all have yeah. a different identity about how Jesus impact our lives, yeah. how, how we can relate to right. him, learn and follow him. Yeah. And, and, you know, I really like that story you brought up, the Jenny experience, because yeah. I, I think we've experienced that in our staff meetings and leadership, yeah. talking yeah. about that exact same thing of, you know, there's so many negative experiences that can almost just become, it's like the popular thing mm -hmm. to complain about the church. And then it just starts steamrolling. Right. Yeah. And I, I know the major theme we're talking about is it's, it's easy when you don't take any onus on yourself to experience who Jesus yeah. is, the light, yeah. you yes. instead... Uh, you just take what somebody represents of whoever yeah. and whatever, right. and you just yeah. use that as a blame. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that we can do with that is is help people to see that that's not Jesus. Yeah. Right. I mean, we have our shortcomings, our faults, and unfortunately, um, they're born out in the church, <laughs> as, yeah. as well-meaning as we are. But uh, there's times when we just say, you know what, that isn't Jesus. But if you see the real Jesus, read of him, especially in the book of John, I think it will be revealed. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned a few things there that Jenny suggested even yeah. for people to do. Right. You mentioned, I think yeah. it's a good suggestion of yeah. how to experience Jesus apart from somebody's potentially poor caricature they might create of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's so key, taking responsibility ourselves for our understanding. Um, you know, the, the teaching and the gathering of the church is tremendous, but it should not supersede our own understanding yeah. of who Jesus is. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I think the big key one there is, is like, read it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, you focused a lot on Gospel yeah. of John this morning, yes. yeah. which is a great segue into our New Year's. We're going through a Gospel <laughs> of John series, and that would be a huge one. Yeah, it's a free yeah. app on your phone. You yeah. know what? You go to any yeah. church or any follower of Jesus yeah. will give you a Bible for free if that's right. the thing that you. Is, if that's your limitation, that's yeah. not a limitation. But like yeah. you know, I hit up the Gospel of John because that represents the character of Jesus, mm -hmm. his salvation, yeah. his transformation and not the poor representation. In fact, in there, right. there's a lot yeah. of the religious people's poor representation of God and Jesus corrects that mm -hmm. to people. So right. that's huge. Right. So yeah. you've got a question for us to wrestle with this morning at home. You know, I was just gonna ask all of us to consider um, maybe two things. What, um, how have you seen the light of Jesus portrayed um, in the life of others that you have benefited from? But also how can we, in maybe even simple ways, using Jenny's example, it was just re a response to a post yeah. that got so many positive then follow-ups that she had said that. How can you be a light in, mm. in your world? That's a huge yeah. one. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a theme that 
even is going to be coming out in our Christmas Eve service as well. I think that right. that's that's what we need, right? This year, yes. there's more Christmas lights than ever. <laughs> Canadian Tower yeah. has been cleaned out for weeks. We need that light. We need the light, though, not yes. the distracting yeah. stuff. We need the light. Yeah. We need to express that. So, yeah, yeah. you know what? Take that conversation right. online uh, with your family's friends. If you got small right. group stuff, uh, yeah. open up Zoom or Skype or a phone call, stuff like that. Share with each other. And, and share with us too what right. your experience yeah. of Jesus being a light in your life and how you can actually reflect that out yeah. to the community around yeah. you. Yeah, tremendous. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Cedar Valley. We will see you uh, Christmas Eve All and right. next week. Looking forward to that.